0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is Romans chapter 8, the epistle reading. You may be seated. It's been a while since I've been up here. Let's see if I uh, know what I'm doing. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, there's no home like the home that our God builds, Great Lakes Bay Construction ratty builders, cobblestone. None of the contractors in this area, or in any area for that matter, can top our God. And uh, you know what I'm talking about when you look at the first two chapters in the B-I-B-L-E. In the very beginning, our God built a garden home. Which was just perfection and put Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve in charge of his creation. Like any home, our God started with the rooms. Now, there are, some of you out there are actually building a home right now. I don't think that you have brought your furniture to the worksite, the construction zone, right? Did you, are, would, would you do that? No, that's silly! That's just plain foolish! You, you need the living room built, and then you can fill the living room with the sofa and the entertainment center. Our God knows this better than anyone. And so God started by putting up walls, making rooms, the light room, the water room, the land Room, let there be light, let there be water above, water below, let there be land. And then he goes and he fills those rooms. He fills the light room with the sun, the moon, the stars. He he fills the water room with, you know, the birdies above and the fishies below. He fills the land room with lions, lambs, lemurs. And many other critters and creatures. But we can't forget about his crowning achievement, right? Our first parents, Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve, this creation all for them. Total and utter gift to them. So, no need for a mortgage. They didn't have to run off to the bank and get a loan. Gratis, free gift. And what a gift this garden home was for Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve. Following the week-long building project, our God had the ribbon-cutting ceremony, and then he bursted out, welcome. Welcome, yes, welcome to your new garden home. Come live, laugh, love with me. No need for Papa Adam and Mama Eve to pick up the phone and, you know, call the building inspector. This building, this house, flawless. Flawless. I mean, you... Remember what God said at the end of the week long building project? He took a step back and he said, It is good. Very good, in in fact. Gorgeous. Just beautiful. Everything is right. Yeah. Everything was right. All right. Not an ounce of sin, which meant there was no decay, no disease. No disaster. No death. Only L-I-F-E. Life. Talk about the good life. Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve were not bored. They were given hats to wear by their God, right? Hats that had these words on it. Innkeeper. Innkeeper of the new garden home. They were made caretakers of this creation. That was their role. A role that was no burden at all. A role that was such a delight. A role that gave them meaning and purpose and fulfillment. A role that uh, would never have a bad day. How could they have a bad day? No sin. no sin nothing could break nothing could ache everything running smoothly from sun up to sun down and from sun down to sun up a perfect world a perfect home made by our perfect God for a perfect people but we know that well this garden home didn't last did it You have Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and then you get to the saddest chapter in human history, Genesis chapter 3. Instead of worshiping the Creator, Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve worshiped the image in the mirror themselves. And God permitted, he let this garden home fall into disrepair. God, who needs God? I could, I could run this show without him. I don't need him. I believe in myself. I fear and love and trust in this guy. Yeah, this guy. My hope is built on nothing less than my own blood and bossiness. <laughs> Pastor Starkey, that will not be in the hymnal ever. Now, that's basically the message that Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve sent to our God when they feasted on that forbidden, juicy fruit. They rebelled. They committed high treason. And things didn't turn out the way that they thought they would. You know that expression, bring down the house? Well, (laughs) that expression was quite literal for them. Yeah. They sinned. They fell from glory, and they yanked down God's garden home. This home that was built for us to enjoy, where we were to live and laugh and love with our God. Now, God did spell it out for Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve and all the children that would come from them, you and me. He spelled it out for us all, what it would now look like to live in the ruin and the rubble of this garden home. And, and you know these words, Genesis three seventeen through 19. Our God said, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve they turned against God and against each other. Sin committed now meant that everything and everyone would now suffer. Something way worse. We welcomed death into this creation Death, took up residence as this alien invader.
1: And now all the
0: rooms in God's garden home would fall into disrepair. 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 I think all of us here can picture a home that has fallen into disrepair. On the outside, you know, gutters on the ground, paint peeling, peeling. Weeds winning, foundation fractured, and on the inside, mildew and mold smells. Cupboards cracked, floors buckling, ceilings sagging.
1: No, these are the kinds of homes
0: that HGTVs Extreme makeover, home edition, tackles. But um, this building, this world, is beyond any cable network, any contractor, any company. There's no way that Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve and all of their children can remodel, renovate, refurbish, repair, this world, and these bodies to perfection. I mean, we see with our eyes and we feel in in our bones how bad it really is. We do. Wildfires in Canada and the smoke making its way to pure Michigan. Scorching heat in the south. In the West, which uh, Deaconess and our youth and I will thoroughly enjoy this week. (laughs) Yeah, Hawaiian shirts all the way for me this week, yeah. Golf ball-sized hailstones pummeling. A dealership in Flint, damaging every single Accidents on US-10, resulting in scares, surgeries, and scars, bills building up, stress skyrocketing, loneliness running rampant, families fractured, bodies broken and breaking, death darkening doors but we have a vision this morning from Romans chapter 8 that puts all of our suffering all the suffering in this world in perspective Pastor Paul speaks oh no he breathes he breathes hope into these diseased depressed damaged bodies Listen to this word. I mean, just absolute hope here. Romans 8, 18 through 21. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope... That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now what does this mean? That's a good Lutheran question, right? What does this mean? We need not despair over this garden home falling into disrepair for Jesus' sent to set this groaning world, this groaning creation, on a course of glorious restoration which will far surpass the garden home which Mr. Adam and Mrs. Eve had ever known. See, the groaning that we hear throughout creation and among the children of God, the family of God, is not out of despair or desperation, Because there is hope on the horizon. Pastor Paul has such an optimistic view of creation. So optimistic. Now the devil would have us think that this world is cold, sterile, totally and utterly out to get us. That this creation is our enemy. No. No, says Pastor Paul. The rivers, the mountains the fields the forest the sharks the gators the kittens the doggies the hummingbirds the lions the lambs the lemurs all of god's critters stand on tiptoe awaiting the restoration of this creation At the last day, consummation, when the sons and daughters of God become who they are meant to be, standing, singing, shining with the glory of God in their resurrected bodies. All of this is possible, of course, because of, because of, because of the Sunday school answer Jesus. (laughs) Because of Jesus. He does what Mr. Adam... And Mrs. Eve failed to do. And what we so often fail to do, fear, love, trust in the Father. He does that from womb to tomb. His entire life is one unbroken yes to the Father. One unbroken yes to the Father's will. And what is the Father's will for you and for me, for all mankind? To live, laugh, love with him in a new garden home. Jesus is born to make that happen. He builds back better. That's what He does. He does it all from the inside. Right smack dab in the midst of the ruin and the rubble. He begins to renovate this creation like no other. He heals and feeds folks. He sends demons packing. He stills storms. He raises people from the dead. He cares for the body. He cares for our bodies. And he cares for us. He does. He cares about all of the groans that come from these bodies. Maybe some of you were groaning as you got out of of bed. I I was. (laughs) The aches, the pain, every year more. Our God, dear friends, our Jesus, he will not let the decay the disease. The disaster. Death. Get the final word. And so what does he do? He takes upon himself. He, he shoulders the sin of the world. At Calvary. On the cross. And then he pulls down into his grave. All that makes you. All that makes me. All that makes everybody. groan. Rendering. Disease, decay, disaster, death, powerless. How do we know this? Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Amen. Risen indeed. Hallelujah. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Bodily. And then he, then he ascended into heaven. Bodily. Where he is standing, singing, shining with the glory of God. That is our future, dear friends my brothers and sisters, a glorious future. The open tomb has clinched for us this glorious future. Because of that open tomb, Jesus has opened wide. The path for this globe to go from groans to glory. The groaning temporary expiration date won't last. The glory, though, forever, eternal, has no end. Creation's groaning, therefore, well, it's not out of desperation or despair. The groaning that we hear throughout creation is filled with hope, bursting with hope, teeming with hope. Don't take my word for it. That's what Pastor Paul says in Romans 8.22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Creation groans as in childbirth because creation is pregnant. Pregnant with a whole new world. Pregnant with the new garden home. Where all groans will give way to glory. Where all tears will give way to cheers. We're all fretting and fuming and frowning. We'll give way to crowning. Yes, we will be crowned to reign and rule with our big brother, King Jesus, over the new garden home. innkeeper. Yeah, we'll be having that hat. Absolutely. This is where it's all going, folks. This is our glorious future. And this glory is not distant. It's not, It's not way out there. Already in us this glory is hidden as pastor Paul says in Romans eight twenty three. and not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons the redemption of our bodies We are on tiptoe too with the hummingbirds and the lions and the lambs and the lemurs all of God's critters We are on tiptoe too for this whole new world. Our baptism actually gives us the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, which guarantees our new garden home. We will wake up at our own Easter morning on the last day in our graves. We'll have a big stretch. Maybe yawn a bit. And then we will get off of our graveyard bed. We'll stand on our own two feet. And we will behold God and not another. We will stand in that new garden home. And you're going to have such a grin on your face. I will too. And no one will wipe that silly grin off your face and off my face because we, dear friends, are done with sin. All behind us, all in the rearview mirror. There will be no sin in the new heavens and the new earth. That's why we can groan now with a groaning that is packed full of hope, that is teeming with Hope. Of the better things to come. The renovated creation. The resurrection of our bodies. All sadness and sorrow put to flight. All darkness transformed into light. All that we had hoped for turned into sight. We can't see the garden home now, but we will. Every single step we take in this life is one step closer to our new garden home. To that day we hear our God say, Welcome. Welcome to your new garden home. Come live and laugh and love with me. This is our glorious future. A future that is signed and sealed in the blood of Jesus. A future that's unseen but certain. A future that fills us with so much hope. And this hope will not put us to shame. We are actually saved in this hope. As Pastor Paul says in verses 24 and 25, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Because of this hope for what's to come, we are filled with joy, no matter our circumstances. And we pray. We pray that Jesus would come ASAP because we have a homesickness here. We're so ready for this new garden home. But, but, waiting for Jesus and praying to him can be difficult, can't it? Disaster, decay, disease, death can get the best of us, and our prayers falter. We get tired, tuckered out. Our feet feel heavy like lead. But thankfully, we have help to pray and press on. To pray and press on. To pray and press on. That help? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's what Pastor Paul says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When you are discouraged, when you are about to throw in the towel because, well... Everything has fallen into disrepair and nothing seems to work, even prayer. Lean on the Holy Spirit who does care. He goes the bat for you. He has your back. He is your voice. When you have no voice, He prays in you and with you and through you and for you. All the rot and decay can make it so hard to pray, but the Holy Spirit knows what we need and what to say. As we await our future glory on the last day. No, I don't know all the petitions that the Holy Spirit prays for us. But this one I do know. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.